I remember the first church my wife and I pastored back in 1981. We grew the church to about 160 people, and 80 of them were kids. Hallelujah. We had just as big of a ministry going on for the children as we had for the adults. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. I pray that uh, you guys had a blessed Christmas. I know my wife and I did visiting our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, children. We got so many. We couldn't get to them all yesterday, but we promised to get to them this week coming. But uh, praise the Lord. You know, this is the last service we're going to have on Sunday morning in year 2021. This is it. Better enjoy it. It's good. It's going it's to be good. So praise the Lord. We have a, a uh, not a special guest. He's a member of this gang here. Uh, it's my grandson, uh, Jeremy Salino. I want to tell you that uh, we've got a lot of preachers here. God has always allowed me to raise up uh, preachers. We have three churches, and the pastors that are pastoring the other two churches came up under my ministry as God allowed me to raise them up, and they're preaching, and they're raising up others too, and that's what we will continue to do. So praise the Lord. But Jeremy, I think it was probably five years ago, uh, when I was pastoring the church in Covington, uh, he was asked to speak at a youth meeting. Well, it just so happens that not only the youth showed up, but a lot of the adults showed up because they knew Jeremy. And Jeremy's coach from his school sh showed up because he heard that he was preaching. And after he finished preaching, the coach came up to me and said, is that the first time he's ever done that? I said, yes. He went, whoo, what is he going to be? Well, today you're going to find out what is he going to be. Let's welcome Jeremy as he comes. Hallelujah. Am I on? Y'all can hear me? All right. Hallelujah. Well, first off, I just want to say it is a huge honor and privilege of me being up here in front of y'all, and I want to do the due diligence of honoring the heads of this house, Pastor Carl, Pastor Dawn, and Pastor Joe. I want to thank y'all so much for this opportunity. It really, it means a lot to be up here to do this in front of y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. Um, I also want to ask that, you know, those of y'all who know me, I'm a very goofy guy. I like, to, I like to cut up, I like to have fun, but this time I will ask that y'all please take this serious. This is, this is very serious to, to me, and I want to make sure that y'all know it is a very serious message coming. Um, now that we got those two out the way, we do have to pray because I want to invite the Holy Spirit in, so that way it's not of me, it's of Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you for this time, Lord God. Lord God, I ask that your Holy Spirit just come down, Lord God, and just speak through me, Lord God. Lord God, I ask that you prepare the hearts of the people here, Lord, that they are able to receive what I'm about to say, Lord God. 
I pray that you speak through me, Lord God, and anything that comes of me, Lord God, will fall on hard soil, but everything that go comes of you, Lord God, would penetrate their hearts and take root, Lord God. We pray all this in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen. So when Pastor Carl asked me to, to preach, it was actually on my 21st birthday in May. So I became a man. He goes, all right, you got to preach. And I was like, okay. Um, for me, that was such a huge deal because I'm, you know, I'm young. What, what do I know? But when he, when he told me I'm preaching, I instantly started seeking God for it. I was like, I definitely wanted to come from him, not from me, because if it comes from me, it's, it's foolishness. So as I'm praying and as I'm seeking the Lord, I started battling through a really, really, really hard time in my own life. Like, it's, I would say it's probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through yet. I don't want to make it an absolute, but it was, it was pretty bad. It brought me to my knees and to tears repeatedly for months and months on end. And I, and I always told my parents that if you compared this one particular season with the rest of my life of how many injuries I've had, the heartbreaks, the drama, et cetera, et cetera, and all the tears I've shed, this one season alone will double my entire life. And that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's, that's the truth. Dealing with lots of personal struggles, lots of issues that arise that just came out of nowhere, and having to deal with, with these things just out of the blue. See, and in this time of praying, I remember the Lord, he told me this. He said, you're going to walk out what you preach. So when he told me that, I was like, okay, now I know this is for a reason. See, even in all the, the trials, all the troubles, all the, all the heartache, all the pain, the Lord started downloading this message to me, and so I decided to entitle it, The Calm Within the Storm. Now, there's a, there's a passage that we're going to stay in. It's Matthew 8, 23 to 27. If y'all got y'all's Bibles with me, y'all can, can flip to there. See, and the passage says this, it says, Then he, talking about Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now, there is so much in this one little passage, these four verses that, that I can talk about. But before we do, I want to give you all a backstory of this. See, Jesus and his disciples, they were traveling through Capernaum. They were doing all sorts of miracles. They were healing people. They were raising the dead. They were opening the eyes of the blind. Jesus even healed Peter's mother. So they were on a journey traveling through, and that journey led them to this point on the lake. See, and then it says this. In verse 23, it says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. See, your life is a journey, but just like how it says of he got into the boat, Jesus never starts off in your life. You have to invite him in, and then you have to follow him. He doesn't start off in your life because we start out with a sin nature. We start out disconnected from God. See, it in verse 24, it says this. It says, suddenly, 
a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. See, if you look at this scripture, you can see that furious storms are going to come when Jesus is present. When Jesus is present in your life, you can expect storms to come. Exactly like the word Nick said during worship, I was just going to let him keep preaching my message. I was just going to let it happen. But when he is in your life, it's not an if they will come, it's a when they will come. See, and, and this is something I got to say, there's a false doctrine going around in the churches that pastors are telling people that when you accept Jesus into your life, everything is all happy, everything's all butterflies, rainbows, sunshine, lots of joy and peace. Well, you do have all that, but they don't tell you the other side of now that you have accepted Jesus, now you made an enemy. And now there's someone who's coming to take you out. Seeing that someone is the devil, he is coming to take your life. That is his main goal for you. See, the scripture in John 10.10, 10, it says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the devil has come. He has come to steal your joy. He's come to kill your life. And then he's come to destroy your future. All aspects of your entire being is what he's coming to take away. See, you got to be aware that when you are now a follower of Jesus, when Jesus is now in your boat, what you have done is you have put a huge target on your back that the devil now sees and then now the devil wants to hit a bullseye on it. See, but just as you look in the scriptures, the disciples, they were on a journey with Jesus. They had a purpose for being on that boat. See, and it was necessary for them to go through this storm. It was necessary for them to go through it. See, and when, you, when you're trying to go somewhere with Jesus, you're out in the open. When you're trying to go somewhere with Jesus on the lake, you can't run and hide as if you were on land. You are exposed. See, but you got to go through it. I fear for the lives that don't go through any storms. See, your journey that God has for you is way bigger than you could have ever possibly imagined, ever possibly come up with, or if God gave you your life and he said, here, you plan it out how you want it, and, he, and you compared your plan to his plan, his plan is way better than you could have planned up. See, but in order to receive God's plan, you're going to have to cross some lakes. You're going to have to go through some storms. See, and research says that the most powerful storm that nature can, can come up with is called a hurricane. Now, thanks to Hurricane Katrina, re more recently Ida, we all now know the power of these hurricanes, these power of these storms hold. Raging winds, crazy waters, fallen trees, power outages, damaged homes, loss of lives, etc., etc. The list goes on. See, and I'm here to tell you that that storm, that hurricane, it doesn't form over land, it forms over water. See, and when a storm forms over water, it is way more powerful than when it is on land. See, because when a storm forms over water, the clouds are a lot darker than before, the winds are crazier than before, the water is rougher than before, and its power is increased because there's nothing holding it back. See, 
it, being on the, on the water during a storm is dangerous. Now, there's a story that I've been through with my brother Joe. I'm not sure if you remember it. We were going boat fishing one night, and there was a storm coming, but it was coming later on in the night. So we were trying to fish before that storm comes. So we get out there in the boat. We're riding in the marsh, and you could just see out in the distance, it's just a black wall. And you can just see the lightning bolts striking the ground out in the distance. And then you can just feel the wind start picking up. You can see the waves are getting bigger. The water's not still no more. Well, thank God me and Joe had common sense of turning around because <laughs> we were in a metal boat on the water <laughs> in a lightning storm. <laughs> it, was not a, it was not a good situation, but we turned around. But that's how crazy it is. You can just see the force of that storm coming. Now, see, some versions of Matthew 8.24, when it says that the boat was being swept over by the waves, some versions say swamped. Now, I like that version because if you look it up, the word swamped in reference of boat and water, it means that you are beyond the point of sinking. That means you are lost. There is no hope for you left. You are gone. See, and I'm here to tell you something, that it don't matter how powerful the storm is, doesn't matter how dark the clouds are, how rough the winds are, let me tell you something, there ain't nothing too big for Jesus. Ain't nothing too big that he can't calm. See, but then if you take a look at the end of verse 24, to me this is the best part of the story. The best part of the story is at the end it says this, it says Jesus was sleeping. See, in the middle of a storm, when the boat is being beaten, battered, broken, Jesus is sleeping. I, I don't know anybody who's that calm enough to sleep during a hurricane. I don't know. <laughs> See, and many people, they, they talk about the reason of why Jesus was sleeping. Some people say he was tired. Some people give excuses of why he was sleeping in the boat at that time. Well, when you read the scripture, it doesn't say anything about Jesus being tired. It doesn't say anything else. But when you really read it and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about it, you can realize that Jesus was sleeping in the storm because he realized that the storm has no effect on who he is and the power he has. See, now see, that's Jesus. Now let's take a look at the disciples. See, in verse 25, it says this. It says, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Now see, Jesus is always calm in the storm, calm enough to even sleep in it. See, the disciples weren't. The disciples allowed one very particular and manip manipulative spirit in, fear. See, the disciples allowed fear in, and the reason why fear is so bad is because fear stops you dead in your tracks and stops you completely from moving on in your journey with Christ. It stops you. It doesn't kill you. It just stops you from progressing on. That's why it's so bad. That's why the devil uses it a lot because sometimes he don't want to kill you. He just wants to stop you. Now, see, fear destroys faith but your faith destroys fear. See, the disciples allowed the fear of the storm destroy their faith in Jesus when they should have allowed their faith in Jesus destroy the fear of the storm. Now see, because we can't allow any fear of any situation, of any storm in our life, dictate the amount of faith we have in Jesus. We can't. 
Now see, but now that we're in the storm, we got to realize that we're not here by accident. There is a purpose for the storms. These storms in life, they all serve a purpose. They're not by accident. They're not by coincidence. They serve a purpose. See, the storms, they prove of what you're really made of. See, the storms show you how much faith you have, and they put that faith to the test. See, because you can talk about all you want about how strong you are in the faith. You can start bragging about all the things you've done in the faith. But then when the storm comes, they will put everything you said to the test, and they will show you of where you stand. See, and the purpose of these storms is to minister. See, the purpose of these storms of what you go through is to minister to those who haven't gone through it yet. See, it's not to gloat over those who've been through something to say you've been through something worse. Okay? It's not a compete and compare competition. Okay? Because once when you compete and compare with people, what happens is you take all the glory from God of how he got you through the storm. You're placing it on yourself of, hey, look what I've been through. See, really the only person you should be competing with is Jesus. And Jesus will one-up you every time. I'm telling you, look, this is, this is a funny part. So, this is, is going to be good. <laughs> you got to laugh at it. This is going to be good. Someone's going to make a skit of this. I know it. Someone's going to do it. So, just imagine, like, trying, you're sitting down across the table from Jesus. And you're trying to, like, compare of what you've been through to what he's been through. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just play this out for a second. So, you're sitting across the table. You're like, man. You know, my best friend, you know, he, he was talking bad behind me, behind my back. I really feel betrayed. It really hurts. And then Jesus is like, yeah, I was sold for 30 pieces of silver. That's, that's the friends I got. Um, and you can keep it going. Like, man, you know, I was witnessing at work, and I almost lost my job. You know, I started getting persecuted. It's kind of hard. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was flogged. I was crucified. I was killed. But no, you got it bad, but you got it bad. And then you can go on the flip side of when you start thinking high and mighty of yourself. This is going to be a good one. You can start saying, like, Lord, I raised five people from the dead. And he goes, oh, that's nice. I raised myself from the dead. I'm not sure of anybody else who's done that one. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the thing. You can't win against Jesus. You can't. See, but again, the purpose of these storms is for growth and maturity in our walk with Christ. See, I'm going to get a little scientific here. I like it. There's a relationship between a storm and a tree because the Bible says that we're supposed to be like trees planted by the river. So there's a relationship between a storm and a tree, and that relationship causes a phenomenon called reaction wood or tension wood. See, what happens with that is when a tree bears Many storms of its life, what happens is its roots grow deeper, its tree trunk becomes denser and stiffer. So that way it's able to bear more storms in the future. But here's the thing. In order for that tree to get stronger, that storm has to bend it. It's the bending of that tree that makes it stronger. Because if a tree tries to stiffen up when it's not strong enough to handle the storm, that storm will break it. It's the same thing like us. When we're not strong enough to handle a storm because we didn't allow the previous storms to bend us, then when we try to stiffen up, that new storm will break us. Yep. 
See, and just how we got to let the storm bend us. See, one of the points is don't fight the storm. Don't fight it. Let it, let it go. See, because when you try to fight back against the storm, what happens is you are now prolonging the process of what God's trying to do. You are now hindering him, stopping his journey in your life just by fighting back. See, for me, I'm telling you, this is an experiential message. I walked through this. For me, I was fighting back with an old mentality that I used to have. And in doing that, I was now in the storm longer than what I was supposed to be. See, and another point is, don't stop God's journey for some temporary satisfaction. See, because these storms are uncomfortable. They're painful. They're not fun. See, and when you're in those, all you want to do is get out of them. All you want to do is just find some temporary relief for the pain that you're in. See, but you can't stop it because what you're doing is, again, you are now stopping God's journey just because you want some temporary relief of what you're going through. See, I'm going to get real for a second. Can I do that? Yeah. All right. See, some of us remain in the storm longer than what we're supposed to because we like the attention that we get when we're in the storm. Now see, now see what happens is when you're in the storm, everyone's checking up on you to make sure you're okay. Everyone, now you're on everybody's mind. Now you're on everybody's agenda because they want to make sure that you're good. See, when you weren't in the storm, no one did that. See, so what happens is we remain in the storm longer because we like the attention that we get from other people, which in fact now feeds our selfishness, which keeps us in the storm longer. See, God has never intended you to remain in the storm. His plan was for you to go through it and make it to the other side because he has more for you. See, again, these storms are going to cause pain, but through that pain comes growth, comes character, comes maturity. See, if you take a look at verse 26, this is now Jesus. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. See, he told his disciples this because the disciples forgot who was in the boat with them. See, the reason why I said don't fight the storm and don't stop it is because someone's coming. Someone's on his way. And that someone's Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is waking up, and now he's on his way. See, and now that Jesus is up, this is the best part for us because now that he is up, guess what he does? He rebukes the winds and the waves, and now the storm is completely calm. See, I'm here to tell you this right now, that the storm of your life must bow in obedience to Jesus Christ. See, because when Jesus steps on the scene, the only thing the storm can do is bow because the storm has no power against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, and we got to remember that if, Jesus is for us, then who could be against us? See, in Romans 8.31, it says this. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who could be against us? Now, see, 
I like Pastor Rod Aguilar's version. He said, if God is for us, then who in hell can be against us? <laughs> See, the storm may get darker, the winds may get crazier, the water may get rougher, but that storm, no matter how bad it gets, must bow to Jesus. See, and what's cool for our lives is that when Jesus steps on the scene in our darkest times, that's when we get to see his power because that is when we desperately need him. That is our place of desperation. See, a lot of people, what they try to do, they try to get out of the storm on their own means. They try to do it themselves, and now Jesus has become a last resort. Like, if nothing else works that I do, I know Jesus has got me. Well, I want their last resort to be my first resort. Because if he's done it to me before, I know he can get me out of it again. So why would I waste my time of trying to get myself out of it when I know someone else can, if he already did it, why can't he do it again? Why am I wasting my time? See, Jesus is and will always be calm within the storm. See, when the storms come, and they will come, we really don't have to fear because, again, we don't have some average guy in our boat with us. We don't have some average fisherman. We have Jesus, the Son of God, King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has all power in heaven and on earth. That's who we got. See, because we can't lose sight of who is in the boat with us because when we lose sight of who is with us, then all we see is who is against us. See, and when all we see is who is against us, that's when the fear sets in, just like the disciples. All they saw was the storm. All they saw was their lives ending. All they saw was their boat sinking. See, the disciples, they thought they were no match for the storm, but you got to remember Jesus was sleeping because the storm was no match for him. See, in verse 27, it says this. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obeyed him? See, when Jesus steps on the scene and he calms your storm, the only thing you can do is marvel and be in awestruck of him because you just witnessed the power of Jesus in front of your eyes. See, now see, that's my Jesus. My Jesus heals. My Jesus saves. My Jesus redeems. My Jesus calms the winds and the waves. My Jesus brings my chaos back into order. That's my king. See, and when he does calm the storm, there's something that takes place. There's a replacement. There's an exchange that takes place. See, you exchange that fear for peace. You exchange that fear for trust. See, peace, gratefulness, and easement now comes to you when your storm is calm. See, that peace that they had now lifted the scales off the disciples' eyes so they finally saw Jesus for who he really is. Now see, if you take a look back at verse 26, it says, it was completely calm. It didn't say it was getting calmer. 
It didn't say it was getting calm enough just to get to the other side and just to make it. No, it said it was completely calm. So that means every part of your storm must cease when Jesus tells it to. Every part. Now see, you got to understand that there is no way in heaven and on earth that we alone can calm the storm we're in. See, but you got to remember, as Christians, we're not alone. Again, we have Jesus. We can't lose sight of he that is in the boat with us. See, and I'm going to close with this. It says, when we, when we see Jesus calm our storm, we get a new foundation. We get a new sense of trust in him. See, that trust that we now have has not been earned because we did nothing to earn it, but it has been given by God to us because he showed us of what he can really do. See, again, when you go through multiple storms in your life, there's no reason to fear, only trust, because again, if God did it before, he could do it again. Because my Bible says my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't say he was one way yesterday, a different way today, and he'll be another way tomorrow. Y'all stand with me. Now, you may be here, and you may be looking at your life, looking around, and you may, you may be seeing that you don't see Jesus with you. Well, I'm here to tell you that today is your day to have Jesus finally step into your life. Today is the day you finally have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who calms your storm, step into your boat. See, and if that's you today, I want you to take a step of faith and I want you to meet me here at the altar and I'd like to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Now, this next one, this one's for Christians. If you know you got Jesus in your boat with you, but you've lost sight of him, today is your day to get your eyes focused back on he who's calling you Today is your day that you finally figure out of where Jesus is in your boat. And if that's your day where you've lost sight of him, where you can't see him and you're in the storm and you don't know what to do, I, I actually I invite you to come to the altar to reset your eyes upon Jesus. Because we don't know what's going to happen next year. 2022 is a whole new year. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. But what I do know is that if I got Jesus with me, it don't matter what 2022 is. So if that's you, if you've lost sight of Jesus with the new year coming, then today is your day to meet me here. You are Get your eyes focused back on Jesus. You are
I will not lose trust in you. So I invite y'all up to strengthen your trust in you at the Since 